We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Uh, Last week, I said that we would not be doing a Ted Lasso episode eight rewatch because I would be out of town. I am a liar because uh, (laughs) my co-host and I, Alex McDaniel, we watched the episode as it premiered uh, the night before we were recording this and figured we, we could not talk about this potentially the most important episode of the series i'm joined by my co-host alex mcdaniel alex how are you doing i'm doing well how are you we're still coming down we haven't yeah. had time to process yeah it was uh so you watched it at the ass crack of dawn i watched it at yes. night right before i went to sleep it was very tough to go to sleep there was so much in this one yeah I mean, and like, the, I like how they play a little bit with the length too. At least I think they do what I could probably be wrong by that. But I feel like when I saw how long this one was, which was what, like 41 minutes, 42. I think it was longer. I think it was like 47. Maybe. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> Cause that means like, you know, as quickly as the show moves, I was like, they're going to fit a lot in today. So yeah, they, they packed a lot in and because this is this is very much an impulse recording, we weren't planning on this. We were planning on just double dipping in two weeks uh, because of because of my vacation. But we're going to do things a little differently. Uh, Alex is at For the Win. They're doing content. You know this if you've been listening to this. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash big screen sports. Shout out to Aaron Figaro, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, and Kevin Frost, our producer level patrons. Uh, Alex, you and I are here. We're going to talk about Ted Lasso, Season 2, Episode 8, Man City. Ted and Dr. Sarah realize they might have to meet each other halfway. Tensions are high as the team prepares for the semifinals. So what we're going to do is we're just, we haven't had the benefit of a rewatch. We haven't had the benefit of some detailed note-taking, per usual. But so much happened. This, so much. It's hard to comprehend. So we're just going to run through the five most or each of us, the five most important things that happened in this episode. But I, I just want to get your your opening thoughts, because this was 
This was the father figures episode. So much comes to a head and almost all of it is about that relationship. There were emotions, tears, just everything. It might be the most important episode of this show thus far. Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about it a few times before. We definitely see a theme of father-son relationships throughout the show and their importance and the impact they have on, on people. And it's like, per usual, this season they've been kind of leaving breadcrumbs and very intentionally showing us different sides of people so we could it could lead up to this episode because everything crashed. I mean, everything just sort of happened in this one. And I'm still, you could tell like I was still processing because I'm like, I don't know what words to say about it. But what I think was shocking, and I'm not, I know we don't have much time. I read a column today from someone who I guess it initially said, you know, Ted Lasso, the backlash makes sense because it's just fluff and it has no real conflict. And they said that at the beginning of season two. And then they said, oh, well, I stand corrected because now I see a focus on mental health. And I didn't know the show was about mental health. And I'm just like, I don't have time for this today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this has been building up the whole time. So yeah, I just, this, it gutted me. This episode absolutely gutted me, but in a good way. I mean, a lot of this needed to happen. I just, as usual, I didn't expect it to happen like this. And what's interesting about this one is I feel like this episode could have ended right before the game. It could have ended with them all coming out to, you know, to Wembley Stadium. And then it cuts with Ted doing the the riff on Hoosiers and then another great like American to British joke about this actually isn't the same size as our pitch back home. Uh, <laughs> but it could have ended there. But they chose specifically to keep all this all this in and some very important moments happen during the game after the game um they 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 made a conscious decision to make this an extra long episode keep everything that has happened together because it starts i mean where does this where does this one start this one starts with with dr fieldstone getting yes. getting hit by a car but then it transitions into roy and roy and phoebe which is precious and then it gets into stuff about jamie and jamie's dad the amazing haircut sam and rebecca then we go to the game and the game goes poorly and Jamie's shitty dad and then <laughs> Ted and Dr. Fieldstone on the phone and then Rebecca and Sam and holy shit, they packed <laughs> a lot into this. Are you kidding me? I know. I know. I know. It's it's insane. And I so are we each we're each going to pick five of the most yeah, important we'll, moments. Okay. We'll each pick the five most important moments. Let's take the, best the quickest, the quickest of ad breaks because so I have a spot to put this in and boom. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
and we're back. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so I will let, I, I, I mean, I told you this, I wrote down more than five. We're going to talk about a lot. What to you was the most important thing that happened in this episode? Oh, I didn't rank mine. I just have like a bunch, but I will say the scene that's sticking with me that will probably stay with me for a long time is when Jamie punches his dad and coach beard takes him out of there. And Roy doesn't even hesitate. You could see on his face. I knew as soon as I saw his face, I knew what he was going to do. Walks over to Jamie without even hesitating, hugs him and Jamie hugs him back. And then Roy hugs him tighter. And like I sobbed. I just, it was such a beautiful moment anyway but at this point like they were they've been so careful about endearing us to jamie and that we see right there he's essentially like metaphorically ridding himself of the thing that contributed to why he was such a dick in the first place and but at the same time like even though you know you punch someone the the whole idea the whole trope is like all right he punched him he wins he's the better person but you can tell it devastated jamie to do it and you saw it on his face and that's why roy immediately went over and hugged him I, I think that could be one of the best scenes of the entire series. It's it's amazing. And there was a there was a good tweet on the timeline this morning. A one in, in the format of how it started and how it's going. And how it started was that screen grab of Roy when he was working his commentating job saying he hopes Jamie dies of the incurable disease of being a little bitch or being a piece of shit or something <laughs> like that. And then how it's going is that hug and how far that relationship has come in the shortest amount of time, how far Jamie has come in in just essentially these, I would say the last 10 episodes, really, really since the he left or since he burned his his old pair of boots in the yeah. in the trash can. This is the this is the culmination of that. And I mean, and this is the first time we get an extended look at Jamie's dad. We get a we get a peek at him in the season finale of season one. But this guy is just scumbag Hall of Fame, just gigantic piece of shit, wearing the wearing the Man City jersey, coming in, talking shit to a bunch of professional. I mean, because th- this guy is living vicariously through his son and at the same time, like trying to lord over him. And it's it's despicable. And it is the one of the most well-deserved punches in, in pop culture history. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. I think everybody took like a breath when that happened, but then I just didn't, what happened after I just thought it was so beautiful. It was really good. It was, it was wonderful. Um, you know, I'm very interested as with, with most other things in the show, I'm very interested to see where that goes, what their relationship ends up being like, how it evolves from that. Uh, talking Roy and Jamie, not yeah, not Jamie and Jamie's father. I, I don't need to see Jamie's father can go live on like a houseboat, with bad plumbing for the rest <laughs> of his life for all, for all I care. Like I'm done with him. He's, he's off in the Rupert zone. I don't need to see anything, see anything else for him. Um, That's true. The thing I have, the thing that sticks out for me is Ted telling Dr. Sharon, we finally know what happened to Ted's father. And I have had a couple listeners DM me with this exact theory. I meant to go back and get your names before we started recording. It has been a busy morning. I forgot. Just know you folks were right. And we learn that Ted's father killed himself when Ted was 16. We get some of those breadcrumbs, you know, when Ted talks about his father was a lot harder on himself than he was Ted, um, you know, their bond. But we we know that it, whatever it was that ended early, we, we know that he was not around um, as Ted was an adult. And that 
you know, could stem. And Dr. Dr. Sharon says as much. She says that this a lot of what's going on with Ted stems from that. And we finally get Ted able to be vulnerable with, with Dr. Fieldstone after she's vulnerable with him, after she meets him in the middle. Yeah. I mean, it was, and Jason Sudeikis just did such a wonderful job in that scene. I mean, he's not that, that's surprising to anybody. You know, I like, I think when we were all trying to figure out like the whole relationship with his dad, I assumed it was going to be just maybe a messy divorce or something. You didn't get to see him, but when you deal with something, especially something like suicide, especially losing a parent to suicide when you're a teenager, when you look at a lot of Ted's issues and the importance he places on father-son relationships, the guilt he feels not being there for his son. Um, and I'm sure he sees parallels with Henry. Like he, cause what did Ted say? I need to go back and rewatch, but didn't he say he that happened? He has to go FaceTime. Well, he said he had to go FaceTime Henry. Yeah. Well, I meant when he told Dr. Fieldstone that his father um, died by suicide, he said, um, so that happened to me and my mom. He was very clear about that. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm probably paraphrasing. He's like, so that happened to me. So he sees it as this terrible thing, not only happened to my father, but happened to us. And we were left alone. And, you know, I, it was such a, it wasn't a very elaborate moment. And the, obviously they weren't going to get into it on the phone, but the fact that he finally broke and was like, it was his most vulnerable moment on the show so far. Mm-hmm. And that was just really powerful to see. Mm-hmm. It was, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was incredible. And it, it was a long time coming. There was some sort of break coming for Ted. Something we we knew he wasn't going to stay walled off to Dr. Fieldstone, especially when in the beginning of this episode talks about, you know, it's her talking about how frustrated she is with how walled off he, uh, he, he is. Like at that point, we as viewers know, oh, those walls are coming down pretty soon. We're going to get something. Yeah, um, it was it was very powerful. It also opens a lot of doors as to, I know on last week's episode, it it feels weird saying last week's episode as we recorded that just a few days ago and it released literally yesterday, the day we were recording. (laughs) But we talked about how hopefully we get some some more insight into Ted and and Dr. Fieldstone's sessions. And we get a lot of Ted and Dr. Fieldstone this episode, um, you know, because he he comes to her rescue at the hospital, uh, much to her chagrin. (laughs) But it seems like, things are going to, they are going to do a deeper dive on these two in the, up. It, like the, the door has been open for us to really get inside Ted and really hear more of those insecurities and, and really um, explore how this trauma from his teen years is affecting him now and is, is circling all the way back to him as an adult feeling like he is, he has abandoned his son. So it's, it's going to be, I mean, the theme of this episode, as I said earlier, was father figures and stuff like that. But the, I mean, father figures coming from a lot of different angles. We have Jamie's bad dad. We have Ted, you know, Ted's dad who, who, um, you know, passed away and is, you know, Ted feels that feeling of abandonment. And then we have, you know, Roy and Phoebe. It's, it's just, it was as powerful. I, I like, I was, I was sitting in bed and I was just like, I felt like I was going to melt into the bed. It was fucking stunning. Yeah. It was really good. And you brought up Roy and Phoebe. So that's my next moment, I think, when they're in the car. And that child is the most precious. Like <laughs> you and I both have children. Like, yes, we love our children, but th- that that is the most <laughs> precious child in the world. She's precious. And what killed me, like, so we get more insight into her situation, even though I think, you know, he never talked about her dad. We only heard about her mom. So there was also the impression that her dad wasn't around. 
Um, so we find out she has a shitty dad and then they're sitting in the car and you see Roy, he always softens with her, but I thought like the way his dialogue was written was really interesting. And it's truly him like realizing, oh, okay, so what I'm doing is going to have a direct impact on her. But at the same time, you know, she says, well, why don't you stop too? And he's like, I can't, but you can, because you're better than I am. And I just thought that was so, that's such a big thing to tell somebody, especially a little kid. When you say like, I believe in you that young, like I know you can do something that I can't do. That can be such an empowering thing. And so much of, at least in my life, I know that that I've done was because I had parents who believed I could do it. And I don't know if I would have pursued those things without knowing, Hey, these adult people think (laughs) they think I can do something. And so it just like, it made me very emotional, even though it wasn't necessarily an emotional moment to see that from Roy, because clearly he's stepping into her life or it has been in her life as a father figure. And so all those little allusions they've made all season with the three of them, with him and Keely and Phoebe, and I'm, and I keep saying like, oh, they're like a little family. This is so cute. And now it, it makes sense. Like we're, we're seeing Roy step into a father's role. So it's really cool. Yeah. Literally no one on the planet says he's a piece of shit better than Brett Goldstein. It's just, <laughs> if he's ever on cameo, I'll pay whatever the amount is to just get him to call one of my friends a piece of shit. It's true. Um, but you talk like this is something that you and I are going through in, in, in terms of parenting, like you want your child to be the best version of you. You want them to have things better than you had it. You want them to take the good things about yourself and not have the, the not so good things about yourself. And from Roy's perspective, when they're talking in that car at first, he's thinking that he is only making, you know, he, he looks as though he's maybe only like hurting Phoebe. He's giving her these, these bad tendencies. He's swearing stuff that he was able to get away with that. She's not going to be able to get away with. And then sweet, precious Phoebe turns it on him and says, but you have taught me how to stand up to bullies and you have made me, you know, you have made me better. And it is like, God damn the show. Like it does, it does it every single episode, but this one specifically in this, in this Roy Phoebe bond and, and like the, just the thought of uncle Roy coming to, you know, having to meet the teacher because the mom's at work and the dad's a piece of shit and he's there. And, I I really don't think I've ever loved a TV character like I've loved Roy Kent. This man is <laughs> this man is perfect. He's imperfect but perfect. What's incredible and obviously like that they're not going to take advantage of this or I don't mean to take advantage of it like it would be a good idea, but I, I don't mean it would be successful, but the characters themselves what amazes me is I would pretty much watch a spin-off about any of them with the exception of like Nate yeah. But who knows? Maybe my mind will change on that at the end of the season. Like any of like the main and supporting cast, I I would watch a show about them individually. Yeah, and I think oh. it speaks so well to the writing and the character development. I would watch a mini series that's like Roy, Phoebe, and Keely go on vacation <laughs> together. I know in <laughs> New York City or in Greece or in yeah. Japan. Roy in Japan. That's it's all. <laughs> it's like it, Saved by the Bell, the Hawaiian edition. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all just a lot of fun. So the next thing I want to bring up is let, let's talk about something that's a little fun. Sam and Rebecca, the is date. It fun? I, I it's kind of fun. There's listen, something there's going to be problems from it. I am all the way bought in on your theory about the owner of Ceruthium Oil or Dubai Air or whatever finding a way to get back at him, especially when 
their date essentially starts because Sam has learned that his protest against Dubai Air yes. made made headwind and made you know, made a difference. So I think that that lines up with what you were saying, but the date, what, when let, let's, well, I guess, how do we want to order this? Like the haircut is a, is a huge part of this. The haircut is such a wonderful scene. It's, it's so good. I, I want to, let's stay on Sam and Rebecca. I do want to get to the haircut. Okay. The, the date when they, when they met, did you think that she was just going to bail? Because I thought that she was going to bail before he realized, before they, before he realized that she was the uh, he was he was meeting. I didn't think she was going to bail. Like when she got out of the car, I was like, okay, here's the moment where they're going to find out. Like here's the scene, and it was kind of a cute way. You know, it wasn't because I I was thinking to myself, I was like logistically, how are they doing this? Like, are they looking for somebody in a certain? jacket or a dress or something it's you notice like while she's sitting there he texts her and says i'm in the whatever the tan jacket or whatever he's wearing um and then they hit the little chime i knew it was gonna happen i just i you know <laughs> first of all okay first of all we talk, he's 21 he is and young it, it's not about very, the age difference. It's not about the age difference. And that's a really sexist thing that a lot of people use. Like, can you believe she's dating me? It's not about that. It's just 21 is very young. And I realize he's a mature 21, but she had it right in the beginning. I'm your boss. You're my employee. We cannot do this. And I realize it doesn't make for good TV for Sam to be like, you're right. <laughs> I'll go home now. I realize that. I'm not saying that's what should have happened in the show. I'm saying as a viewer watching the show and the tension that they've built into it with all sorts of storylines, this one just kind of makes me a little nauseous because I think we've seen Rebecca go through so much, you know, because of Rupert and she's been maligned in the press already for no reason, just because it's the British press. If this gets out, this has the potential to destroy her. And it's not only about her job. I'm sure they'd find a clever way to, you know, keep it or trade him or something like, she went through a lot of trauma. I mean, it, it, it was the, you know, the reason for the entire show was she was being traumatized by all the attention. She was angry. She wanted revenge. To, I don't want to watch her go through that again. However, it will make for some compelling TV. Yeah, because <laughs> so. the date, it was wonderful to see that kind of supercut and to see them both having fun and doing this. Yes. But unfortunately, this relationship, it makes more sense for Sam. There's a, there's a chance for Sam to get hurt in this, just like there is in any relationship. There's a chance for both people to feel some hurt. But in terms of life repercussions, Sam is still young. This is There's less on the line for him, frankly. There's like the risk of being traded and there's the risk of being hurt, which is very real, you know, very real thing in any relationship. For Rebecca, this could be, especially if your theory about the owner of Dubai Air, you know, coming for that ass, like th <laughs> this, this has, like you said, this has potential after all the growth she's made, this has potential to, you know, blow up in her face in a big way. Yeah. And, you know, I just, and I think they bring up the Dubai air thing in this episode for a reason. I think it's, it was intentional and it's a reminder, like this isn't going away and it's a nice update. They're pulling out of Nigeria, but if you're Rupert's friend, I still can't remember what his name was. Um, I'm sure someone uh, to him. Rich, I think um, Richard. Uh, yeah, Jacqueline had told had mentioned it about. I think it's Richard Cole. Oh yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like so. Like it's yes. Dick Cole or something like Dick that. Dick Cole. <laughs> and I mean, he's not happy about having to pull out. I mean, th that's the thing. Is like this is not a thing that he's like. Oh, I'm so glad 
you know, he's shown me the error of my ways. Like they're taking lots of bad press and they're having to make these moves to try to repair their image. Like that doesn't go unanswered. It doesn't go without revenge or a slight or something. And I just, the fact that he's Rupert's friend, like I know on the IMDb page, it doesn't show any episodes for Anthony head. I'm just not convinced that he's not going to show up at mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I do look at the IMDb because <laughs> I want, I like to get the scoop on who's going to be in all the episodes. This is one where it's really going to help us with some upcoming episodes to get some more. This is, there's a lot of different ways that this could go with Sam and Rebecca. So I think we'll get some more, some more clear. Cause it's like, does she tell Keely that this is happening? I would assume she tells Keely, but like, this is going to have to be a buttoned up secret. And it's at some point, someone's going to find out. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, and I hate that. I hate that the focus is just about people finding out because I do. And I know I'm a downer and I know people are like, come on, just let us have fun. I get it. I just think the power dynamic between a Boston employee is something that is easily taken advantage of. And regardless of their mutual feelings for each other, it puts Sam suddenly in the position of where he might, which I know this won't happen, but I'm just, if this were real life where he might feel like he has to behave a certain way or do a certain thing or something because he doesn't want to lose his job. He doesn't want retaliation. And so like, that's the issue is it's not even just special treatment toward him. It's also, you know, any employee who gets involved, their boss, they have to worry about how that changes that dynamic. And obviously your boss is on the upper hand. But again, like I really wanted to feel, especially that last scene, they're playing Keen somewhere. You know, I loved that song in 2004. Believe me, it was totally set up to be so romantic. And if it were any two other characters, I'd be fine. There's just no way I can like lean into it without thinking like, God, this is going to suck so much when the shit hits the fan. I also want to give a shout out to another music cue in that during the date, they're playing the song Loving is Easy. Oh, which is uh, it's one of Jacqueline and I's favorite songs. And it's something that we always lament that it's not something you can play in the car with a with a kid in because it just it blatantly says fuck like multiple times. But <laughs> it's just it's a wonderful song I made for a good date song. But it's with do you want to do you want to get into the haircut? Because there is that the haircut scene is just all good. I It's just a love. I'm glad they had that scene in this or else I would look back on it right now and just be like, is it all sad? Is it all that the haircut scene was fantastic. Would you judge me if I start calling people bruv like Isaac does? No, just do it, man. Who just, cares? Just roll, just roll with do- it. Cause I, I mean, he is, <laughs> he is on, I mean, he, he's killing it in that scene. Just incredible stuff. I'm going to start wearing high ponytails like Keely. It's fine. We're fine. Our brains are okay. It's just the uh, when when Jamie tells Jan Moss to just shut the fuck up because he keeps questioning like, so do we all just stand around here and watch it? It's it's so funny how it's because like every every team has that one guy who can cut hair. Now, Isaac is is a set above. But like when I was a senior in college, we had that one guy. If you needed a haircut, his grandpa was a barber that was good enough for us. You roll over to that apartment. If you didn't mind leaving smelling like weed, like it was a great haircut. And that, I mean, Isaac is that guy, but on just a different, a different level. I mean, to the, the one haircut, a season rule. Incredible. I know that was, I found that so charming because they could have just left it as he's good at it. But what I love about the show, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this specifically, is when we find out about things that are happening that we don't necessarily see, you know, and things that are just so no- normal and commonplace to them. And I thought that was so cute. Like we all get one haircut a season, but we are like a year we have to choose wisely. I thought that was so funny just because we've never 
obviously never seen that play out before. And so no, I just loved it. I thought it was shot. Well, you could just see the guys bonding. I mean, I, I would be so disappointed if these guys weren't all friends in real life, you know, and we've seen them like at that soccer game, you know, when Jane Rojas was there and everybody thought they were a real soccer team or a soccer players or something. I just feel like they all have so much fun together. And Jamie being one of the guys, I think that helps that they're all just very sweet. Yeah. Cause with like one of my favorite movies is everybody wants some, which is about a group of, of college baseball players on one, just one weekend. And it's, it's amazing. I lo- love the movie. And I always like to think that those guys were friends and it seems like they got along great during filming and stuff. But like that's a very short, short period of time. Yeah. Filming a movie is like usually like a couple months, maybe. And so and then they go their separate ways. But I'm thinking with this, this TV show, these these guys have been together for multiple seasons of filming now. Um, you, you've got to think there's there's at least going to be some some great reunions or meetups. There was always that fun thing when like, you know, like, a hey, the Friends cast members went out to lunch. There's some pictures like we love seeing people catch up. I feel like we're going to be like that with these guys for for years, like. Hey, Jan Moss and Danny Rojas got, you know, got pizza in, in Soho this weekend. Like, <laughs> look at the pictures. I think they probably definitely have a group text or something else. It's yeah. probably a great group text. So <laughs> what else is on uh, what else is on your list that we haven't touched on yet? Um, let's see. We covered Sam and Rebecca, which I kind of had them down as like two different ones. I, the biggest thing, well, not the biggest, but. I guess the thing that is not addressed at all, but the thing that we're clearly supposed to pay attention to is the fact that Dr. Sharon um, potentially has a drinking problem. I'm very Mm -hmm. careful about saying things like that because of the way that we talk about responsible alcohol consumption, alcoholism. It's a whole thing I could rant, but I won't. Um, Point being, I'm not saying she's an alcoholic, obviously, but Ted walks in, we see the empty wine bottles. We see her drinking wine throughout. The last phone call we have, they do a shot where she looks down at her phone and it's Ted calling and there's some wine that's spilled on her table to indicate like maybe she's a bottle in at this point or, you know, like clearly she's been, this isn't her first glass. She didn't just sit down with a glass of wine. So the drinking, and then we have obviously the parallel to Ted's drinking, which hasn't been brought up. And I'm curious, not only about how Ted's is going to come up, but now that we've seen, obviously, Dr. Sharon has her own therapist and we've seen that, you know, that little interaction. Now we're invested in her story. This is the one that mm-hmm. got us invested in her because before she was just the doctor who came in on a bike and she seemed cold and we didn't know what to do. But now we see like it's it's possible she's alone at night. She she feels lonely. She has nobody to talk to. And it's not uncommon for people to, if they know they're going to be home, to drink a bottle of two or two of wine. But it's obviously they're painting this as maybe this is a habit that needs to be addressed. And so mm-hmm. I'm curious about how that will play out. Yeah. And we've, we've now seen, we haven't seen where many people in this show live. We've seen the Higgins residence, which has all the makings of a comfortable family home and, and feels like home. We've seen Keely's house. Very, very personal. Um, it's got all her cool Keeley quirks, some neon pink lamps and stuff in there, some cool stuff. We've seen Ted's house and Dr. Fieldstone's house. Very impersonal. They're both living in, as Ted Bent says, corporate housing. It doesn't seem like, it, to us, I mean, it doesn't seem like Dr. Fieldstone has a lot going on other than her work. We're at least not privy to that. Yeah. And Ted, outside of outside of coaching, when he goes back, he's lonely and so th- there's definite parallels between them and it'll be very again i think 
that might be the most compelling of the compelling storyline to play out in the last four episodes, I would think is what's what's going to go on with Ted and Dr. Fieldstone. Yeah, and I think too when we just talk about how alcohol is consumed in shows and I promise I'm not trying to you know go off on this <laughs> on these tangents today. But, you know, the Mad Men era and obviously Rebecca has like a bar in her office. We saw everybody drinking at Christmas. The reason why I say I don't want to suggest that there's a clearly there's probably a problem but i don't want to suggest that everything is either sobriety or alcoholism there's problematic drinking in the middle of that and so no one notices at least ted's because it just seems normal like he when he's eating at a pub well of course he's going to have beer with his dinner he's got scotch in his you know little cabinet at work that's not unusual a lot of people in high positions they have that you know everybody a lot of people have their bar cards it hasn't stood out to anybody yet and that's the biggest thing and sharon um, is doing hers in private, you know? And so the only inclination anybody has was Ted saw the bottles and yeah, I just, I'm really curious to see how that plays out because it's not as simple as, oh, Ted's sad because he's drinking or like, they're not going to make that the answer to it. They're going to make it a symptom of whatever Mm -hmm. he's going through. If, you know, they're, if they're using it to self-medicate, I just wonder how they're both going to treat that considering she's supposed to be helping treat him (laughs) you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and we we got a a tweet from loyal listener uh johnny dent whose wife if you remember was the actual psychologist who chimed in yes um who all who who made a point about you know because ted his his natural instinct is to befriend everybody he comes in contact with and he he pointed out that Dr. Sharon cannot become Ted's friend because she she can't treat him effectively if they are if they are friends in that regard. So yeah. it it'll be it'll be really interesting. Um as far as what else I'm looking at my list, the Diamond Dogs confessional before the game. We haven't really talked about Nate much. I thought Nate's confession was very much an indictment on how we felt about Nate because it was still a very self-serving confession. Yes. It was just like I don't think of these great ideas spur of the moment. I think of them well beforehand. Yeah. It's like, it was he a, didn't really, yeah. It was a fake confession. It was like, how can I make it about me? And how can I make myself still look good while pretending like I'm confessing something? On the other hand, Beards was fucking hilarious. What did he say again? Remind me. He was on shrooms yes. during <laughs> one of their games. And Roy um, was like, the such and such game? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Higgins, like Ted started out very emotional. Higgins, though, we didn't sign that Brazilian fullback because I messed up the time difference on our uh, on our transfer dates. And then Beards and, and Roy's not reading the scouting reports. I, I enjoyed that scene again. We didn't. I think we would have gotten exhausted if this entire episode was about Nate again. Like if they were really oh, yeah. dive because like while we want to see that rectify and there's some serious issues like we're not watching this show to see stuff about Nate. So if they would have had back-to-back episodes, I think that would have become a drag instead of letting us breathe on it for a little bit. And we'll touch on that later. Yeah. Which they're great at that. You know, I mean, anything that happens in one episode, I never expect it to be directly answered in the next one. It might be, but it's not going to be in the way it's not like picking up where we left off, so to speak. And like, you know, we see Nate earlier in the episode, he he's going to be a spokesperson. And that instantly I'm like, we're going to find out about that later. That's going to be a thing. He will he will mess up or he will have an outburst or something's going to happen. And maybe that's the attention drawing thing when people realize. I mean, you got to think for a lot of people, their issues have been so internalized and they've been able to live in darkness. So people don't realize there's a problem. And I think this season has done a really great job of showing the different 
ways that they're spotlighted. In Ted's case, it was having a panic attack during the game. In, you know, Roy and Keeley's case, it's her talking to other people about it. I mean, all these things are coming to the surface. It's not that they weren't issues last season. It's not that there weren't, there wasn't tension or um, that, that therapy wasn't necessary for Ted last season. It's just now that these problems are visible, they're, people are taking steps to rectify it. Alex, I have something kind of like breaking news, not really breaking news, but something that that pertains to this pod and something we were just talking about regarding Coach Beard. I have tweet notifications on for a few people. There are a few people Spencer who when Hall. they say, I, yes. I yes. was actually going to bring this I, up. So I he scooped me, but I was going to bring this up on the podcast. But go ahead. The the tweet I, I assume you you just you, you just saw it. I have I have Spencer's I have Spencer's tweet, something he just tweeted out about the episode nine summary. Have you seen this? Yes. Because I, I am beard all after episodes. hours after the semifinal beard sets out an all night odyssey through London in an effort to collect his thoughts, which is interesting because I was really one of the last things I was going to want to bring up was the sh- kind of strange interaction between beard and Ted post game was kind of worried about beard and apparently we're going right into whatever the fuck he's getting into. Yeah. So I was going to, I was going to bring that up. Thanks Spencer. Um, he scooped us because again, like I look at the IMDb page, so I get to, I look at like all the episode titles and there's another one in the future that I think is a big one too, but I won't bring it up right now. Do I need, um, do I need to start looking at the IMDb? Do I need to do I just, more work on this? I do it for things like seeing if Anthony head has a credit for 2021. You know what I mean? I do it to see like, are these characters coming back? I do it to see if the current characters are going to be in every episode until the end. And there's one character actually who is not going to be in a few episodes and I have no idea why, but again, next podcast. So like, yeah. So I saw, I saw that on the IMDb page. And I'm like, this is perfect. It's literally what everyone's been asking for. Can we just have one episode devoted to coach beard and what a wonderful way to do it, which is how does he recover from a loss? What does he do when he's alone? He's the most mysterious person, main character that we have. And, um, I think I'll answer a lot of questions, but I think, you know, Beard was frustrated on the field. I mean, this is coming back to the conversation he had with Ted last year. He's like, these aren't kids. These are professionals and we have to win or else everything we do here wasn't worth it. It's worth nothing. And so I think he's carried that on. Like he's still, he believes in Ted's philosophy. He obviously supports that he's a man of few words, but he also wants to win. Like he very much wants to win. He gets very frustrated. And so I think we're going to find out a lot of stuff in this episode that it has never occurred to any of us. And I think it's going to be funny. Mm -hmm. And the one thing about beard beard is not afraid to tell Ted hard truths. Nope. He would not be afraid to tell Ted. You are not what's best for this team right now. Yeah. And he, I mean, and, and beard cares about Ted as much as anyone in the world. And Ted, you know, beard would beard would protect Ted at all costs. Beard would take a bullet for Ted. But he, you know, not afraid to tell Ted that he's not what's best for this club. And this club right now could not, you know, might not be what's best for Ted. And if it gets to that point, Beard's not going to be afraid to tell him. So, you know, like like we've said from the beginning, having Beard along with Ted has been essential to this show, this relationship. Um, one, because we needed someone who's bought into Ted early on. We needed to know that this actually works. We need Beard works as a Ted interpreter to other characters he's able to pass on ted's weird uh how eccentric he is to you know to the other characters in the show and explain that out and he is he is 
Ted's voice of reason because he's been with Ted before. The everyone else on this show, Ted Ted has met recently. Beard has been with Ted before. Beard is that person that Ted can lean on, and he's that person who you know, could convince Ted to go one way or another on this. Yeah. And so it's going to be very interesting to see where he winds up at the end of this episode and at the end of next episode. And Coach Beard in London, like if they put this episode behind a paywall, I've, I'm not sure there's an amount of money that I wouldn't fork down for it. Bill Lawrence, don't do that because I, I, I cannot afford it, but I, I would I would plunk down pretty much anything to watch Co- Coach Beard just like carouse through London. Oh yeah, and I think you know it's it's just something we've been waiting for for a long time. But I think I don't think it's going to be a total. I don't think it's going to be self serving. I think is what I'm trying to say. I don't think it's just this quirky one off episode. Um, I think a lot of things will make sense to us, not only about him but about their relationship and just how he feels, but we don't know how he comes down on anything. We just don't know anything about him to love him so much. I'm sure they'll bring Jane into it or maybe they won't, but, um, he's going to get some, some calls from Jane. I'm yeah. sure she's going to be wondering where he's at. Um, cause he's not riding back with the team. So he's not going to get into Richmond the same time as everyone else. Yeah. Jane's probably going to be waiting in that parking lot for him. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be interesting, but it was a little, it was a little hostile. I mean, he invited Ted to come along, but then after that, he just, he was kind of shut down. You notice the look he gave him when he said he had a panic attack. I think it was one of concern, but it would be understandable if it was also one of like, well, I should know that. Why didn't, why haven't you talked to me about this? So who knows? It'll be good though. Yeah. It, I would love for a random London celebrity cameo, like Beard runs into someone. And I don't know if this is the show that does that, like puts in random, like Parks and Rec would always do that. We have like random people, you know, random comedic actors show up. I don't know if this is a show for that, but like, I don't know who a London celebrity is that would, that would be hilarious, but like Beard runs into like Kate Moss at a club or something like that. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a reach. That's a reach. And I'm not even, I'm not even sure I would recognize Kate Moss at this point, but um, Alex, I think, I think this is a good one to wrap it on for this this impulse show. Uh, we we've put in a lot of put in a lot of effort on a, on a whim. Um, I am could not be looking forward to the, the next episode more. We're going to have a special guest on our recap. Very very excited about that. Um, yes, we will. I was I had to think about it for a second. I was <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> I guess we will. Very special guest. Um, can I say it? Or are we giving it a surprise? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, so we just launched Bet for the Win, um, which is our new like sports betting site. And the managing editor of that is Caroline Darney. She came from SB Nation. She's covered the University of Virginia for a long time. Generally all around good person and my friend. And she'll be great for this because she's just as obsessed with the show as we are. So yeah, she'll be there. She will. She will. And that is going to come at you that the normal Thursday. I'm really not sure when I'm going to drop this episode that we're recording right now. Maybe I drop it Thursdays as usual. Maybe I drop it earlier. I've got it. Who, who <laughs> knows? Possibilities life, are endless. <laughs> life, life is a mystery. Life is a complete mystery. But uh, for me and Alex, we thank everyone for listening. We will we'll see you when we see you. Looking forward to talking Ted Lasso episode nine. Thanks for listening. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.